podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. So today we've got Michelle Vopel joining us. She covers women's college basketball, the WNBA, and some other sports for ESPN.com. And she, she's been on top of the QCon to the Big East News. So Michelle, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. So, Michelle, to get started, I I wanted to get your initial thoughts on this move for UConn, going from the American Athletic Conference to the Big East, uh, and the impact that's going to have on the women's college basketball program here. I think it's a great move. It's not the move that uh, I think the Husky fans would have loved, which was going to the ACC. But it's it's a great move in terms of, having the, some closer schools to play in with conference play, which to me is a, is a big deal. It allows fans that want to travel. Now you have, you know, a handful of games that are, are very reasonable um, to travel to. And I think that with the fervor and the, the fan base there at UConn, that's going to mean something. Uh, and, I, and I think they'll enjoy that. But I also think it's a conference that has a capacity to – grow and improve as a women's basketball conference. I'm not naive. It's, it's not what the old Big East was. We all know that. The, a lot of the, the powers of the old Big East left for other conferences. But I think the, the potential for it to become better is probably greater uh, than, than with the American. And that's, I'm not trying to disparage the American, but we all know what the challenges were in the American. So from those two standpoints, I think it's got to, I would think it's got to be really good news for most Huskies fans. You talked about the, the ability for this Big East, uh, the new Big East with UConn in it to, to show some room for growth. Um, and you talked about those teams that used to be powers in the old Big East that are no longer there. For fans who haven't kept up with this new Big East as much, who should they be on the lookout for in terms of women's college basketball teams that might be able to give UConn uh some competition in the coming years? Well, I definitely say you can look at, like, DePaul and Marquette stand out. And people may say, well, wait a minute, you know, Marquette's never beaten UConn. DePaul hasn't beaten UConn since 1983, and neither, you know, Gino Oriam or Doug Bruno were there. I totally understand that. From a record standpoint, they may not look any more capable of being challengers than anybody else. But those are two programs that do put a lot into their women's basketball who have had some very good players come through, have players in the WNBA right now. Uh, Marquette has, uh, you know, has a new coach, so that's going to be an interesting situation. But, some, you know, in the case of Doug Bruno, one of these days, you know, you think maybe that's going to be his time. Um, and then you have somebody like um, Harry Peretta, who's been at Villanova um, – since the 1970s, and he has beaten Gino Aramia's team. It's been a while. It was 2003, 2004 was the last time. But, again, that's a program with history of, of success in women's basketball. So those are three that stand out. Another program that I don't know that uh, – UConn fans are very knowledgeable, so I know they know about this, but they haven't seen as much, is a program like Creighton. And I mention them because that's a program that has knocked off you know, some some power conference teams. It's a tough place to play. Uh, it, they generally play, you know, they play very gritty type defense. So 
that can be a potential uh, difficult road trip, you know, to go into Omaha. So those are, you know, those are some of the teams I think that stand out. Uh, I I don't want to say like, oh, UConn's conference winning streak is going to end because it it could go on for a while. I, I, nobody would be surprised about that. But at least you see some potential of programs that have a history, and I think for the foreseeable future are going to be pretty good programs. To paraphrase Gino a bit, earlier in the week, he said something along the lines of he doesn't really think conference affiliation has any impact on his team's success. Do you you agree with that? I would say, based on the results, he's right. Because, you know, obviously the last six years, not losing a game in the American hasn't stopped them from going to the Final Four. Now, UConn fans may say, well, but they've lost three years in a row in the Final Four. Does that have anything to do with the lack of competitive games uh, that they're usually, you know, not having during the conference season? And I think that's, I think that's tough to sort of, you know, say that's the, the you know, cause factor of it. And, and I say that just because they are still playing some pretty tough games, you know, non-conference, obviously, you know, this past year with, you know, playing, losing to Louisville and Baylor and still playing Notre Dame. So they're still getting some, some very, you know, challenging games, but they're not getting those games, you know, in late February and March. So does, does that have an impact? You know, did that have an impact in, in the three losses that they've, they've had in the final four? Um, and again, it, it's very, it's hard to say because those games all, you know, went down to the wire, too. So they, they could have gone either way. But I don't disagree with the heart of what he's saying, which is we play the way we play no matter how good or bad our opponent is. That's proven true for now, you know, decades. So I understand what he's saying. But I do think from an outside perception, the Big East, I think, is going to be more appealing. And, and and I and I have to say this, if you I talk to fans obviously all over the country, they switch off those games, you know, with the American games. You know, if UConn is winning that game by fifty points, they're not watching it anymore. I know the UConn fans are, but nationally people are gonna switch that off. And does that hurt their perception? I, I don't I don't know that it hurts their perception, but you could look at um did, some people will say, did Nafisa Collier deserve National Player of the Year this year? And would she have been National Player of the Year if she was in more competitive games during conference season? I know people have brought that up. I don't know that that's the case. Sabrina Ionescu may have still gotten it. But these are all things to think about. Um, and and that doesn't mean what Gina's saying is wrong, you know, mm-hmm. that but it, it, but again, from an outsider's perspective, I think most people are going to say, "Hey, we we are looking more forward to UConn being in the Big East, even if it's this version in the Big East versus the previous version." You you talk about the perception of the league there, and I and I know a, a big complaint amongst UConn fans here was their seeding this year in the tournament and ending up with a two seed. Um, you know, at the end of the day. The only difference, you know, was who was technically the home game, home team in those games down the stretch. But do you think that the lack of respect for the American will be different now here in the Big East? That possibly had they, you know, had the same wins and losses, 
you know, in conference play, but those were the Big East teams and they went undefeated there. Do you think that would have affected their seeding to the level of maybe that's the difference in a one or a two seed going forward? It's possible. It, it is. And I say that just because and, um, the committee at times, you know, they have, you guys know, they have their procedures and principles and they always have their answers for things. But the idea that uh, a sort of generalized perception issue doesn't ever affect them, I think, is is naive because they're human, right? And so this this past year, past season was interesting because they, UConn lost two high-profile non-conference games, both of them, you know, um, in the new year. It, you know, that Baylor, which was, you know, very, very early in January, and then Louisville. Should those losses have really kept them from a number one seed, all things considered, I'd say no. I still thought they were a number one, but I think the combination of plowing through the American and those two losses ended up costing them a number one. It it didn't actually cost them anything, though, as we know, because they, they still went to the Final Four. So we're really talking about more, you know, some sort of perception things and and how the committee may view their conference slate, even if they go undefeated in the Big East, the fact that there are some bigger name teams in women's basketball anyway in in the Big East may help from that standpoint. Not that UConn needs help, really, because honestly, they they like I said, they did fine with the two, but it may it may boost the perception, um, whether that seems fair or not. Uh, it may boost it. One of one of the things in, in your recent piece that that you wrote on this move that really interested me was, was how the Big East could set up the program for a better spot when when Gino decides to hang it up. Are you able to elaborate on that uh, a little bit more and what you meant by that? It's it, obviously a lot of it is you're we're projecting something in the future that may or well we know eventually he's going to have to retire, but we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know what – if there's going to be another big conference, you know, like sort of shift, the one, you know, the one we went through in the last decade where you had programs – you know, I live in the Midwest, and the idea that Missouri and Kansas don't play in the same conference anymore is still ridiculous to me. But it's the truth. They're in different conferences. They're almost in different worlds now. So um, will that – will there be – a Something, you know, that happens that, you know, precipitates another big change and we have people, you know, teams moving around again geographically, maybe even conf- teams going back to conferences that, that they came from. So I, I preface it with that, that a lot could change in this. But my thought is if, if, there's, if there's more potential for growth in the Big East, the stronger the Big East is, the stronger UConn will be, which will only help whoever takes over, you know, for Gino. That's my thought. If you had to take a, a general outlook on the UConn program uh, over the next few years, what what does that look like for you? Do you still think that they're going to have that dominance that they've shown? Uh, you know, obviously we've seen more teams have been able to compete with them uh, of late. Do you see that trend continuing? Uh, what What is your outlook uh, for the team going forward? I think it's, it's a lot more of the same, and I say that because there's no reason to question what they do, how they do it, and how it's 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 run. Um, 
again, the, the three losses in the final four, there's there's some fluke factor to, to all of them. Um, and then two of them came to Notre Dame, which has been their, you know, as, as close to a nemesis as, as they've had is, is Notre Dame. So we're still looking at a program that's been to every Final Four since 2008, which is crazy. It really is. Like, it, it never should be taken for granted how incredible that is because it's gotten so much tougher to just get to a Final Four. So I think they're going to continue that. And my thought is, and I mentioned in the column, I don't think that Kotorium necessarily needs to be um, to be challenged. I think he's, you know, he's internally motivated. But all great competitors at times in their career will face some adversity. And what passes for adversity for UConn is losing in the Final Four, right? So that's happened now three years in a row. I guarantee you that has that has gotten him a, even more. I think energized. He might not talk about it. He might not show it, but he is by nature a problem solver and somebody who rises to the occasion and really does get energized by challenges. And now he's faced a challenge in that they haven't won a national championship um, for the last three years, which again. Only with UConn would we be saying that that's a, that's a challenge, right? That's the only program, but that's the level they are. If I were a UConn fan, I would be happy with this move. I'd love the fact that, you know, you're getting rid of some road trips that to me were just ridiculous and were probably hard on the team and you didn't – the idea of having a conference opponents in North Carolina and – and Louisiana and Tennessee and, and Kansas and Oklahoma is just crazy. You'll have one in Nebraska now, right? You'll have, you'll have Creighton. But still, the conference makes so much more sense. And I, I think you're, you're going to see a team that's going to have a level of hunger, um, you know, coming back this year. And, and you'll see a level of hunger, I think, even from the coaching staff, as much as they've won. Um, they're great competitors, and they want to they want to get back to winning a national championship. Yes, I think that that all will be music to uh, UConn fans' uh, ears. So, Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk with us about this movie. We appreciate it. Glad to do it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod. The host at Jared Kotler and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.